Good evening, everyone. My name's Tim. I'm the senior minister here, and uh, we're going to have a look at that passage together. Um, who's going, who is going for a job interview soon or has had a job interview recently? Anyone? There's a few hands, yeah. One of the things uh, when you go for a job interview that they often ask you is, tell me about your strengths and your weaknesses. Uh, and naming your strengths is usually not too much trouble because you know what the job's about, what they're looking for, so you can usually sort of talk about a few strengths that have led you to apply for the job. But when you're asked to name your weaknesses, that's a little bit more tricky because you don't want to name weaknesses that would mean that they're not going to give you the job. Um, so things like, I'm a kleptomaniac, I just can't help stealing stuff. Probably not a good idea. Um, well, I have been known to punch other employees when I get frustrated and when work's not going so well. Probably not. Or, you know, I'm lazy. I only ever do work when the boss is watching me. Otherwise, I'm usually just playing games on the computer. That sort of thing probably will, won't, won't be the sort of weaknesses that you should name, okay? So if people are taking notes, write those ones uh, down for the upcoming job interviews. Now, the trick is to name weaknesses that can be, can be legitimately thought of as weaknesses, but actually the interview panel might think aren't too bad, or in fact, they might think that they're strengths. And the classic uh, weakness uh, to name in an interview, um, I don't know whether this has been polled as the most popular, uh, is this. Well, you know, I'm a bit of a workaholic. I've worked too hard, I'm always taking work home, um, trying to get that work-life balance is a bit of a problem for me. That's a real, real weakness. Now, hands up if you've ever used that in an interview. Oh, yes, yep, a few. Um, I think I have, I'm pretty sure I have, but I can't remember whether I did it to get this job or not. Um, is anyone here from the panel who interviewed me for the job? Oh, yeah, did I? No, you, no, there you go, I'll say, phew. Um, and the point is that in our culture, busyness, while it might be sort of frowned upon in name, is actually pretty embedded in our workplace cultures, um, in our schools, um, and in our families. Um, and we have this belief, really, that busyness somehow equates with importance, right? So the busier you are, it must mean the more important you are because the more responsibilities that you have. And if you're not busy, well, you can't be that important because you haven't really got that many responsibilities or um, the work that you're doing isn't that demanding or something like that. So we have this weird thing going on where busyness is equated somewhat with importance. And so when people ask us, how are you going? You often say, oh, I'm busy. I'm so busy. Because that means, wow, you must have a lot of things happening and show something of how important you are. So we're thinking in this series about white space, how we can make sure that we don't just go along with the culture, how we can create space in our lives to focus on the things that are most important, uh, namely Jesus. And we're looking at a number of passages here in uh, Luke's Gospel, uh, Luke's biography of Jesus, where Jesus challenges some of these things. Last week, Kirk talked about the idea of Sabbath, which is taking a day out each week where you stop working and you try and remove distractions so that you can focus on Jesus. Uh, and this week we're looking at a fairly simple story about Mary and Martha, where Jesus challenges us about our priorities 
and choosing what's most important. Now, it's a pretty simple story. It's only a couple of verses long, so when Mez read it, it didn't take that long to read it. Um, it's not that complicated to understand, but it's actually a very profound story, very challenging. Putting this into practice is hard, and it's pretty countercultural if we do put it into practice. Uh, and speaking personally, this is one of those stories that I have reflected on over and over again. It's a bit of a one that I think about a lot in my own life and use a lot in my own prayers. Because if I'm honest with you, I am much more like Martha than I am like Mary. Uh, and one of the challenges for me has actually been asking God to work in me to make me more like Mary in this story. So what I want to do is uh, just have a think through the basic story uh, and then dig deeper. That was something that um, the kids did at Going Bananas. They dug deep into the Bible. We're going to dig deeper with each of the characters, uh, Mary and then Martha. Uh, all right, it's school holidays. There's not many kids here, but I think we'll act out the story nonetheless. Okay, a bit of participation is good. I need four volunteers. I need two guys, two girls to come and help me. Okay, thank you. Come on down. Come on down. We've got two guys. We need two girls. Tim, was that you? I thought you were moving. Oh, you're trying to lift up Andrew's arm. Well, it's you. It's you, buddy. No, no, I'm the narrator. Okay. Tim, you're on. Okay. All right. Come on. It'll help, it'll help us focus. Can I have two women to come and help me? Thanks. And Ella. Wonderful. Thank you. Great. Okay. No, you can't sit in the chair. No, no. That's someone else's role. Yep. Okay. So here's the story. Uh, in the story, we're told that Jesus entered a village, and the village would have been Bethany, which is a, a town not very far from uh, Jerusalem. Uh, and it was the home of three friends of Jesus, okay? Um, Tim, you can be Jesus, because you've got the best beard, so you can sit <laughs> on the chair. Okay, you can be, you can be Jesus. Uh, don't get carried away. This is just a role you're playing. Um, okay. Uh, and in the family, there were uh, three friends of Jesus, there was Martha, there was Mary, and there was Lazarus. We know Lazarus is their brother because in John's Gospel, actually a passage we looked at in our I Am series, we know they had a brother called Lazarus. Okay. Now, Lazarus isn't in this story, so you can go and sit down. Okay. In this story, <laughs> in this story we're just focused on the two sisters, Mary and Martha. Okay. Now, Mary, no, you're Martha. Martha. Mary, <laughs> Mary, you just sit down at Jesus' feet and you listen as Jesus teaches. Jesus probably would have been teaching about God, what he's like, um, how to live for God. Jesus often talked about, you know, God's kingdom, what it means to live in God's way under God's rule. And I imagine that he was teaching um, Mary some of these things. Uh, in, this, in this story, Mary has a non-speaking part. She never utters a word. Often this happens in Luke's Gospel, where you have these silent examples. They're models to us of what we should be like, but they don't actually speak. So it's a non-speaking part that you've got, M. Uh, you just need to be quiet and sit there and listen to Jesus as he teaches you. Okay. Now, just as an aside here, this is quite a powerful image of Jesus' relationship with women. 
in the Gospels as well. Because at the time, Jesus, who was a great rabbi, a Jewish teacher, um, generally rabbis at the time would have taught men only, right? They would have had these men that they taught um, the scriptures to, uh, rare, countercultural to be teaching a woman. And yet here we have this powerful image of Mary, a woman sitting at Jesus' feet, basically getting a theological education from Jesus himself, teaching about God. Imagine that. Um, and this is indicative of the way that Jesus related to women. He treated uh, women equally with men um, and uh, taught them as he taught men in a countercultural way for the time. Now, Martha, you are not sitting at Jesus' feet. You are busy, 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 because probably with Jesus staying in the house, there's things to do. The kitchen is over there. You're cooking in the kitchen because there's a meal to prepare. You've probably got people coming. It's really busy. And then you need to come and you need to clean the lounge room. That's over here. Okay. Guests coming. Great, great. Oh, you're so good at this. Uh, back to the kitchen. Something's boiling over. Back you go. Come on. You've got to get all that food prepared. Okay. That's back, back here. Cleaning to be done. All the while, Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. Back to the kitchen because, you know, don't want to burn the goat or whatever it is that you're cooking. Um, oh, back here. Now, eventually, you get the feeling here, right? She's running back and forward. She's busy with preparations. Her sister just sitting on her backside listening to Jesus. And you can just see Martha getting more and more frustrated until eventually it boils over she storms into where these two are having a conversation and she yells at... Who she yell at? She doesn't yell. She's annoyed with Mary because Mary's sitting there, but she actually says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? You could say this. Here, you take over the sermon. <laughs> Lord... Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? And then one more line. Tell her to help me. Okay. Now, thank you. In, um, well, you're it's you to ask me what I think. You're confusing roles. Ella's been our star at Going Bananas this, this last week. This is um, in conflict, what they call triangulation, Okay. So you have a problem with your sister Mary, but rather than having a go at Mary, you tell someone else that you've got a problem with Mary and you actually ask them to talk to them about it. It's kind of nice when you see in the Bible um, bad behaviour taking place, the sorts of things that we get frustrated with in our day and age, and probably, if we're honest, things that we do and realise that people have been doing this sort of stuff for 2,000 years. Um, Next term, we're doing a series on what the Bible has to say about doing conflict well. This is a bad example of how you do it. He has a go at Jesus and wants Jesus to talk to Mary. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. She can overhear the whole conversation, but uh, she's pretty mad with Mary at this time. Okay, but Jesus, rather than telling Mary off, which is what Martha wants, says, actually, she's got her priorities right. She's doing the right thing. Martha... You're the one who needs to get your priorities straight. So let's dig a little bit deeper. You guys can stay here. Um, with each of the sisters in turn, let's start with Martha. There's a few key words which describe what Martha's doing, which help us understand what the problem is here. So in verse 40 in the Bible passage, it says that she is distracted says that she is distracted with all of the preparations 
that had to be made. Now, here's what the word distracted means. You go and sit there with your sister, okay? Now, give me your arm. Excuse me for what I'm about to do. Distracted means this. (laughs) Right? It means, literally, the word that's used in the Bible here means being dragged away, pulled away from the thing that you're supposed to be doing. So what she should be doing, Jesus says, is sitting with him, but she's pulled away and distracted by all of the other stuff that she's doing instead. Now, we know about distractions, don't we? Okay? You can um, go back to the kitchen. Um, (laughs) No, you can stand there. Um, We know about distractions, don't we? I was having lunch with my family at a cafe in Greensboro a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of those cafes or restaurants which has TV screens playing, playing TV shows the whole time. So I was there to have a meal with my family. I was supposed to be talking with my kids and my wife, and yet there was a TV screen just there, and I kept having my eye pulled away. It was like that, pulled away by the flickering images on the TV. The show that we're showing was Bewitched, okay? That show has been running continually since the 1960s, um, I didn't want to watch that show, but I couldn't help being distracted by it. And the thing about distractions is they're things that are less important than the thing you should be doing. They pull you away from the thing you should be doing. I wanted to be focusing on my family, but I was distracted by the TV. And that's what's going on here. Martha is distracted by other things. Now, here's the trouble. She's actually doing good things, isn't she? She's serving, we're told, right? She's making a meal, she's getting things ready for Jesus. This is, this is good stuff. I mean, in churches, we talk a lot about, you know, wanting to serve each other, wanting to do ministry, wanting to do good things. So it's not like these things are bad things. The trouble is they're a distraction from something that is even better. They're pulling her away from what, we should be, what she should be doing which is actually sitting with Jesus, enjoying Jesus, being in his presence and learning from him. So here's the question for us. What are the things that distract you from Jesus? Okay, now obviously Jesus isn't sort of sitting in our living room like he was um, at their house, but we have Jesus teaching in the Bible. We have Jesus' words for us to teach us about God, to teach us about living God's way, what it looks like to live under God's rule in his kingdom. And we actually have Jesus' presence as well. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us. That's Jesus' presence with us. So we have Jesus' teaching and Jesus' presence, but we often can get distracted and pulled away from spending the time with Jesus that we might, might want to do. Now, we might be distracted by unimportant things. These sort of devices are fantastic. Um, you can see how worn out my phone is. I was having um, coffee with a, a nearby minister, and he commented that most people would be proud of having a worn-out Bible, but my phone is just really worn out, showing how much use um, it's had. And they're fantastic, aren't they? But they can be an enormously distracting, addictively distracting, all right, so things like technology, like me in the cafe, we can get distracted by those sorts of things, often unimportant things, plants versus zombies too, or whatever your favourite game is at the moment. That's the one that I just can't get away from. Um, 
You can get distracted by your phones even when you're sitting in church. You might be there sort of listening, and it just pulls us away, oh, it distracts us. Okay? So it could be unimportant things that distract us and consume our time. Remember last week when Kirk was talking about Sabbath, one of the things that he was <laughs> challenging us with is actually having a break from technology, okay? separating ourselves from technology to create that white space to be with Jesus. Because Sabbath is about removing distractions. What is it that might pull us away, take our attention away from that time that we want to spend with God? But it's possible too that we might be distracted by good things, um, spending time serving Jesus, but it's actually taking away from time being with Jesus. One of the things that we looked at in our emotionally healthy spirituality that we looked at last year was that sometimes the things that we do for God, our doing for God, can outweigh our being with God. Okay, So we can spend so much time doing things for God, doing jobs, doing ministry, but neglecting the time just being with God, learning from God, sitting with God and enjoying his presence. And that puts things out of balance. We don't want our doing for God to run ahead of our being with God. This is a challenge for me personally. This is the area, I think, um, where I'm dangerously more like Martha than like Mary, that um, working in ministry, in my sort of role, I can be busy doing lots of stuff, making sure the church is ticking along, wanting to make sure that everything's happening well and being really busy with that. But being so busy with that, when am I actually doing what Mary's doing, sitting at Jesus' feet and learning from him? Now, one of the ways that I try and counter this is I have set aside in my diary once a month a prayer day, right? Out of the office, just to spend time reading God's word and being with Jesus. But every single month when that day comes up, it's there in the diary, I don't have time. There's too many things to do. There's uh, crises to deal with, um, things that need to happen. I don't have time to just stop and to pray and to read God's word. Every month that happens. Um, and it's a real discipline for me to actually do it to make sure that I am spending that time with Jesus, praying and learning from him. Uh, and I'm not always disciplined enough uh, to do it. But actually, what you want uh, in your ministers and what we all want in our lives is making sure that we do that, we spend that time and don't get dragged away, distracted from that time with Jesus. The other two words to describe you, Martha... Uh, worried and troubled. I don't want to focus uh, too much on those because that word worried comes up two chapters later in Luke's Gospel and that's the passage that Kirk's going to be looking at next week. Two chapters later, Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat and what you will drink. Um, do not worry about what you'll wear. Um, it's interesting, though, that Jesus diagnoses Martha's problem here as worrying. She's worried because there's so many things that need to be done, and that's what's distracting her from the time away with Jesus. Uh, there will always be things to do. There's always jobs to do. There's always things to happen. Jesus doesn't want us to worry about that stuff at the expense of focusing on him, which is exactly what Mary does. So let's have a quick look at what Mary does in contrast to Martha. Here's some of the words that are used in this passage about Mary. In verse 42, Jesus talks about needs. 
He says uh, here that few things are needed, or indeed only one. Okay? Now, one of our challenges is separating things that we need from things that we want. Okay? There's lots of things that we want, there's lots of things that we could do, but when it boils down to us, what do we actually need? We need food, we need drink, we need shelter, we need clothing. Sure, we need those things. But Jesus is saying there's something else that's needed. Actually, spending time with me is necessary. It's, it's needed. He says in this instance that Mary is doing the one thing that is needed. Sitting on a backside, listening to him teach, is the one thing that is needed. Um, so Jesus is saying you actually need a relationship with me. You need to be with me. You need to sit with me. You need my teaching. This is not an optional extra that you can say, yep, that's, that's nice if I've got time. You actually need this. Relationship with Jesus is a non-negotiable, he says. Now, that puts distractions in a different perspective, doesn't it? Because it's a challenge for us. Are we allowing things that are good but not absolutely needed to get in the way with what is needed, which is our relationship with Jesus and prioritising that. Now, that's not going to happen automatically. If we just sort of go with the flow, then this is going to get neglected, right? Because there are things to do. There's meals to cook, there's things to do, lots of work that needs to be done. And do you notice the other thing that Jesus says about Mary in verse 42 as well? He says that Mary has chosen what is better. She's made a choice, okay? Mary could have been doing any number of things. She could have been helping Martha. She could have been running around, and that would have been good. It would have been admirable. They would have been important things. But none of them are as important as what she's doing. She chose, Jesus says, what is better. Of all the good things she could have done, she's chosen the best thing, which is just to be in Jesus' presence and listening to him. She's chosen about how she should spend her time. She's chosen not to be busy, not to be distracted, not to be worried, not to be troubled, but just sit with Jesus and listen and learn from him. So here's the challenge for us too. What are the choices that we're making or not making, which means that we're not getting that time with Jesus and learning from him that we need? Now, you've all made choices today because you're here. You made a choice to be here in church with Christian brothers and sisters learning from God's word, singing God's praises, rather than being somewhere else. You could have been out for dinner somewhere. You could have been something else. But you made a choice to be here. Uh, and Jesus is challenging us, challenging us to choose rightly, to choose to spend time with him. Are there choices, again, reflecting on last week, are there choices that you need to make about Sabbath, creating space in your life to just be with Jesus, away from the clutter, away from the distractions, to be with him one day a week? What choices do you need to make so that that happens? Are there choices that you need to make just in your daily routine to get into God's word, to read it, um, to be fed by it? Um, a time in your week to just sit and be aware of Jesus' presence with you by his Holy Spirit, not doing anything else but just sitting in silence, being with Jesus and aware of his presence. And some practical ideas for help with this, because sometimes we find it um, tricky. Um, as a church, 
we're encouraging people to read through the Psalms as a countdown to 150th. And if you go onto our website, forward slash 150th, 150th, you can sign up and you get a text every day. This is good use of technology, where it tells you the verses to read for that day. It's just a few verses from the Bible. You get the reminder to do it. You can look it up on your phone, good use of technology, and just spend that time reading something of God's Word, being fed by it, spending that time learning from God. Um, Not everyone's a reader, so one of the choices you could make, a practical idea, could be listening to God's Word, listening to Jesus' teaching, listening to the Bible, uh, from an audio Bible that you can download, again, on your phone, and just listen to it. That's what Mary's doing. She's not reading the Bible while she's sitting there. She's listening to Jesus' teaching, and that's a good thing we can do as well. You might have other practical ideas. What I would encourage you to do... Are we having supper tonight, Em? We may or may not be. Anyway, when we finish up today, have a conversation with each other and ask each other this question. What are some of the things that you find helpful for actually spending time with Jesus, prioritising that, um, and being fed by his word and sitting in his presence? There's a lot of wisdom in this room where you can actually ask each other what other people do as practical ideas. Uh, and what are the things that you struggle with? Okay, let's be honest with each other. What are, the, what are the struggles that we have and the ways that we get distracted when we're trying to do this? Okay, You don't have to sort of come up with like a weakness in an interview that doesn't sound that bad. We can be honest with each other and tell, tell each other what our real struggles are and how we find this quite hard. Let's be honest with each other as we share with each other. But the challenge is... How do we be more like Mary? This is my prayer for myself and my challenge. How can I be more like this, where I'm metaphorically sitting at Jesus' feet and just being taught by him and enjoying his presence um, amidst all of the things that I could be doing, all of the busyness that occurs around us? How do I make that a priority and be more like Mary? Can we put our hands together for our helpers? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Martha. Let me say a prayer for us. And again, if you've got some questions, uh, that could be a good chance to shoot them through on the text line as well. Uh, Jesus, we just want to say that we do acknowledge that you are important. You are the priority. You are the king of this world. Uh, And we do want to be with you. We want to spend time with you. We want to learn from you. And so we ask for your help, uh, not to get distracted, but to actually come up with good choices so that we can spend time with you. So we ask for your help. Amen.